0: a high fly Swung to right. one on high drive. This tag going back, back to the tag. High fly Hammered center. to the gap and left at left side. At the track. Way out of here. Flying deep That was right. hit a ton. At the wall. Oh. Going back at the track. This ball's getting small. This is going
1: to go to the rock file.
2: This ball. Is This Weekly. is White Sox Weekly. We have to get better. We can get better. We're going to continue to get better. We're going to keep rallying around each other, keep pushing one another, motivate each other, trying to deliver something so powerful to, you know, Chicago, man. It's going to feel so great. We're almost there. It's coming. We can smell it. We can taste it.
3: Anderson hits one in the air. Deep into left field. And this one is gone. Way up into the bleachers. Tim Anderson turned on it, burned on it, flipped the bat, and started running. The
4: proverbial window
3: has begun to open. That's deep into left field.
5: The Chicago Baseball Conversation.
0: Home of the Sox. It is 720 WGN. White Sox weekly on the air. Good afternoon. Mark Carmen with you until two o'clock. Big show today. We got Carson Fulmer who is going to have a breakout season in 2020. I can feel it. There's some interesting stuff going on with Carson in the offseason. And when you get into the numbers and how He does have to find that strike zone a little bit more, but that curveball is dangerous. And with a little bit of a refined delivery and some confidence and maybe a little inspiration from Lucas Giolito and the way he turned himself around, I am a believer in Carson Fulmer in 2020. Also on the show today, Zach Collins. Interesting position for Zach Collins, right? You go out and you bring in Yasmani Grandal, that's your number one catcher. James McCann slides into being your backup catcher. Where does that leave Zach Collins? Oh, he can play some first base. Well, not really. Jose Abreu is back, and you went out inside Edwin Encarnacion as well. So he's kind of in an awkward spot, right? And he was vocal about being willing to be at AAA rather than playing, say, one day a week. So we'll talk to him about his current lot in life and – uh Staying positive through it. And Grondahl also went to Miami, same college that Zach Collins went to. And there's a lot that he can learn. And so there's a, he's a very positive, uh, Zach Collins. So looking forward to that conversation coming up a little bit after 1.30. News of the day, if you missed it, the White Sox are not going to play baseball today. They were scheduled to play Joe Madden and the Fighting Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim at 2 o'clock. We were going to carry the game for you. And I'm assuming, if you've been listening to the station at all today, that you know that we're not. But just in case you're putting it right on right now, it is a rainout. Amy Gooth is going to be on uh, from 2 until, I believe, 5 o'clock today. So Amy's coming up at the top of the hour. The White Sox will play baseball, hopefully. At least they're scheduled to tomorrow. Uh, they're on the road as they go and play Cincinnati at Goodyear Ballpark. So... Uh, The spring training season is set to start now tomorrow after the rain out today. You can secure your 2020 ticket package today. Take advantage of the best prices, flexible payment plans, and our ticket exchange program. Find the plan that's right for you at whitesocks.com or call text socks ticks to 312 674 1000. The other news of the day is the White Sox have inked contracts with two players. One is Aaron Bummer, who gets a five-year deal, $16 million. There are two club options that could take this all the way out through 2026. Bummer's going to get $1 million this year, $2 million next year, $2.5 million in 22, 3.75 in 23, 5.5 in 2024. And the Sox get options for $7.25 million in 25, 7.5 million in 26 with a million and a quarter buyout. Uh, I know that's a lot of numbers right there for you. But this is a smart move by the White Sox, and they continue to do these things, right? Sign their young players to long-term deals, buy out some of their arbitration. Obviously, they feel very confident that Aaron Bumber is going to be a mainstay from the left side in that bullpen going forward. And, uh, they, hey, they put their money, so to speak, where their mouth is and gave them the deal today. Leary Garcia, who was already upped on a one-year deal to avoid arbitration, that was back in January for three and a quarter million. The White Sox now have given a three and a half million option on 2021 with a 250 thousand dollar buyout. So they're upping LeUri, locking him in uh, for one more year at a price point that they feel comfortable with, and they add to the buyout on LeUri getting a little bit more security. Uh, in $250,000, if things go completely south for him. And he's also locked in for $3.5 million next year. Uh, real quick here, we're going to get to our guy Kirsten Fulmer coming up. But Aaron Bummer did speak about that contract today with the media. So let's play a little bit of that for you right here. The left hander out of the pen with the new paper, Aaron Bummer.
3: How did it all come together? How excited are you?
0: You know, me and my wife, I
1: mean, you know, I think it's a dream come true to kind of, we all play this game for, like, we dream of playing this game as kids. And, you know, to be able to be here on the south side for the next five to seven years, I mean, the stability, um, the financial security, man, it's an unbelievable feeling. And, you know, me and my wife, like, we can't thank the White Sox enough. We can't thank Jerry, Kenny, Jeremy, uh, Chris Getz, like all those guys. I mean, they've taken care of us, and, you know, we hope to repay the favor. Jeremy Haber talked about your resiliency <clears throat> and what you've been through up and down. I mean, you could even go back to last spring training, yeah. right, where it wasn't. Yeah, it I mean, look, it no, I mean, it's kind, of, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of crazy in the fact that, I mean, Last spring training, I was getting my teeth kicked in. I mean, I think I had like a 22 ERA or something like that. And, you know, to kind of be standing here now, um, you know, it is pretty – I mean, it's an amazing feeling. Man, I don't know if we ever thought we were going to get to this point. I mean, I was in 19th round draft pick, you know. um, And just to be standing in a clubhouse was an amazing feeling. Now to be able to take care of my family for the rest of our lives, I mean, that's that's something that – I mean, it's pretty awesome. You mentioned before that being a reliever is yeah. Uh, is this
3: kind of an escape from that a little bit to have this kind
1: of yeah journey? absolutely I mean I think it's it gives you just a sense of stability and kind of um, if the reliever market really is as volatile as it gets I mean I think it's probably the most volatile in the game and you know that the fact that they had faith in me um, to continue to work to continue to go out there and do my job um, and continue to progress I mean I think I talked to you a lot about sustained success and now that's what this is all about so um, yeah I mean it's it's going to be easy, a lot easier to sleep at night. You know, It's just kind of one of those things where we can't say enough good things about it.
0: So Aaron Bummer's been on the show a ton. I'm a huge fan, and that's a great story. He mentioned being a 19th-round draft pick. Well, that was in 2014 after pitching at Nebraska. He pitched all the way through his junior year. He was a 31st-round pick out of high school by the New York Yankees. That was all the way back in 2011. This was not the guy that was supposed to make it, and he did. Easy to root for guys like that. Congratulations to Aaron Bummer. All right, coming up here, Carson Fulmer, another guy that is easy to root for, but also much different. Eighth round, eighth overall in the first round, uh, high pick, and got paid early in Carson, but still trying to find his way. Hopefully this will be the season. Carson is next. It's White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. Let's bring our guy Carson Fulmer into the conversation here. Carson, I believe... This is going to be your best year yet. I can feel it in 2020. Love what you're doing in the off season. I've got high expectations, my friend. I, I'm assuming that you're right on board with that.
3: Yeah, so- sounds great. No, I'm um, looking forward to the opportunity. Um, I've had some good experience under my belt now and uh, definitely ready to, to make an impact and um, help us... Uh, at least help put us in the position to to win a lot of ball games this year. Now you're
0: out of options, right? You're either going to make the team, or most likely you're not going to be with the White Sox. Is that accurate? Is that stressing you at all?
3: Uh, not stressed at all. No, uh, I know what I need to do, and in, in order to uh, to make this team and, and to make an impact. Um, obviously, contractually, uh, you know, I know what is in front of me, but um, that's definitely not the mindset right now. The mindset is. Um, you know, to, to be able to get my work in and know what I need to do in order to succeed. And uh, I want to win with this team. Um, this is the, the only team I've been with. Um, I spent quite a few years here now. So, um, you know, I've, I've gotten to uh, to see this whole thing build up and, uh, you know, I can't wait to be a part of it.
0: Carson, I'll be honest. I think you deserve it. You've been up, you've been down, you've worked at it. You've kept a very positive attitude publicly can you share a little bit as to how difficult it has been going back and forth between Charlotte and struggling at the big leagues and having some success, but then getting knocked around and just trying to regroup and gather yourself and tell yourself, I can do this?
3: Yeah, yeah, no, it it has been tough. Um, you know, uh, early on in my career, uh, you know, obviously in high school, like pretty much everybody you know that's in the big leagues, they've had success in in high school. Um, had success in college and I never really faced failure early on in my career um, so that was kind of a you know kind of a, a change in terms of um, you know things going around you know around in my, in my career but um, you know it's it's actually I really don't look at the negative side of things I, I've had a, a great opportunity with this organization um, the front office has given me uh, you know, plenty of opportunities to go out there and help us win. And um, I've had, had success. You know, I know that I can compete at the big league level and, and do really well. Um, and everything else has just been a learning experience for me. Um, you know, uh, again, I'm very thankful to have the opportunity to, to be able to put on this uniform. And, um, you know, I can't, uh, I can't wait for the start of the year. That's for sure.
0: And we're super excited to see you out there. So some are comparing saying, Hey, Last year's Lucas Giolito, thank you, could be this mm-hmm. year's Carson Fulmer. And I know you guys are close. You're good friends. Yes, have you sir. have you picked up anything from Lucas and how he transformed himself from, you know, he was led the American League in ERA, which you don't want to do, and then he became a guy who pitched in the All-Star game?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Uh, Lucas and I are really close, actually. Um, you know, he's a great person to be around just in terms of, you know, the mental side, more importantly, and the physical side of of the game. Um, You know, he is probably the closest teammate that I am to on this team. Um, We've uh, developed a really good relationship. But, uh, you know, I think that in terms of looking at my goals for this year, I really, you know, physically... And mechanically and all that, I'm in a really good place. I was at a good place at the end of last year. I was able to work with Coop quite a bit on a couple of things, and it would take a long time for me to explain that. But um, going home, I usually give myself probably about a week or so just to kind of download and figure out what exactly am I going to do this off season, so that the following year, the upcoming season is very impactful and I can, you know, play to the best of my abilities. And that was the the mental side of the game. For me, uh, I really concentrated on that. I was able to talk to Lucas because Lucas, you know, he uh, really focused on that um, going into last season. And um, I have a completely different perspective on, you know, the game, uh, how to slow it down. Uh, I've been able to see really good results already here at camp in my live sessions. Um, You know, it it definitely has opened up a, a completely different side of the game that I never really you know, was either stubborn to open up or um, just really didn't look at it. So uh, doing that, I think, it was it's going to be a huge help um, going into a new year and and really just focusing on stuff um, to continue to keep the game slow and and uh, to work to my strengths.
0: Now, I don't want to get too personal here, so stop me if it, if it gets uncomfortable. But are we talking coaching, meditation, a billion different things that guys are using right now in clubs mm-hmm. all across baseball? Are focusing in on not just the physical aspect, but you got to have the mental skills going on too. Here, there's a human being. Sure. Out, you got it's a human being on the mound. Exactly. So the, exactly. It, it, it's all got to come together.
3: Yeah. No. Um, you know, like I said, it would take a long time for me to explain. Actually, you know, everything that I've done this off season, but um, you know, I think you can do meditation. You can do. Uh, mental exercises, you can do all of that, but I think it really gets down to just trying to figure out your exact routine and making sure you come to the yard every day and do the same exact stuff to get you ready to go out and, and, and play your best, and um, I've locked that down. I've locked down a really good routine. Um, you know, at times in previous years, the, the game, I mean, it's the, it's the big leagues, you know, so the game can get very, very fast, and a lot of people don't don't realize that, and Um, For me, I've always been a a guy that wants to get the ball. I want to go and I want to, you know, get on top and I want to control the game, right? So um, now in the big leagues, it's it's really hard to do that. And, you know, you look at guys that have had a lot of success in the league. um, That's the the reason why we respect them so much because they make the game so slow. So um, for me, it it was definitely – um, very eye-opening um, like I said, I have a completely different perspective on the game and and it's enjoyable for me now you know I think that it's uh, you know being able to slow yourself down be in the center of, of, of tension, and just perform at the highest level that you possibly can format um, you know I think that that's definitely gonna be my outlook on it and um, we're gonna have a lot of fun winning this year that's for sure it's awesome
0: I've read a lot about you, Carson, with, with spin rate and how you've been able to – you already had a good velocity uh, on the, uh, you know, on your fastball and your cutter, but you've also added a little bit extra spin, which for those – to not to get too deep in the weeds here, but that lets the ball rise uh, at the end of a pitch, so it, it makes it harder for the hitter to square up. Can you speak to that a little bit?
3: Yeah, I've, I've always been uh, able to spin the baseball. Uh, that's a very – a good trade of mine. That's something I've relied on a lot. Um, you know, uh, in, in college, I was a fastball, curveball guy. I really didn't use a cutter, didn't really use a change-up. Um, a two-pitch mix now doesn't really work. Um, you know, with me trying to be the long guy this year and and try to uh, be the guy that kind of bridges that gap between um, if need be starter and, and uh, you know, the backside of the bullpen. Um, I have to have more pitches and I've been re- really relying on my heater. Uh, been able to spin um, the, you know, my fastball really well. Uh, my breaking ball is, has uh, really good depth and my cutter and my changeup, obviously, you know, they, uh, they really have, you know, good efficiency numbers and um, I'm able to command those as well. But uh, that, you know, that, that's, part of the game I, I have the stuff you know i uh i have the mentality um you know I, i've never really had to to uh you know thankfully work on that very much just because of of the uh talent that i was given but um you know the mental side i think is is really what's going to benefit me the most this year and and uh you know getting through those games that i may have had a little bit of issue with uh, in years past carson fulmer with
0: us here on white sox weekly 720 wgn for a couple more moments Carson, according to the numbers, hitters do not have much success against your curveball. Now, maybe they're expecting the fastball and the cutter. And if they were tuned in to you throwing a curveball, maybe those numbers would change. But I'm curious, when you look at the numbers and you see that hitters are hitting the low ones against your curveball, do you alter your game plan going forward? What's your reaction to that specific part of the numbers?
3: Yeah, no, um... I've been able to. to, I've always been able to throw a breaking ball, um, a curveball. More importantly, Um, you know, with having my cutter and and having my changeup in years past, I've gotten pretty comfortable with those pitches, and I've probably thrown them a little too much. Um, You know, I've been working with Yaz and and McCann, and a little bit on on being able to utilize that breaking ball, that curveball more um, early on. I've been throwing it a lot in camp, and I've seen really good results with it. you know, I, I wasn't very consistent with it the last couple of years just because I didn't throw it and I didn't practice it enough. But um, it's always been in the bag. I've always been able to spin it well. And um, I'm throwing it a lot more now, uh, which opens up uh, the, tar- you know, the top part of the zone. And, uh, you know, cutter in to lefties, you know, away from righties. Uh, it's opened up, you know, in perspective two more pitches that I can utilize, you know, breaking ball for a strike and a breaking ball in the dirt. So um it's going to be a big strength for me this year uh, I'm going to throw it quite a bit and uh you know, I'm really really excited uh, you know where um where that pitch is you know most importantly right now so for us armchair pitching
0: coaches watching White Sox baseball do you think we'll notice any difference in your delivery have you changed that at all or are you comfortable where you're at from the end of last year till now
3: yeah, you know, I, I worked with Coop quite a bit um, on being more directional towards the plate. Uh, I've always been able to to use my lower half extremely well. Um, that was something that back in college, you know, Scott Brown really worked on me is, is being able to util- utilize every part of my body going down the hill. And, you know... Uh, I don't know if I was born with it or, or uh, you know, I've just I've practiced so much of it. I've, I've always been able to use my legs, and that's what's generated a lot of power. Um, but one of the issues was I was uh, uh, kind of kicking out and kind of spinning off the ball, uh, which... Basically, would apply spin on my fastball, and the efficiency numbers weren't um, where they wanted to be. So, uh, I worked with Coop quite a bit um, on being more directional towards the plate and kind of generating more power towards home plate. Um, I've seen tremendous results. Uh, I've, I've been way more consistent in the zone. Um, I've been getting swing and misses on, on a lot of other pitches just because there's a lot more force generated and it's going towards the hitter and more importantly towards the strike zone. So um, I'll still be, you know, everybody says that I'm, I'm max effort. Yes, I am max effort in terms of being able to, to generate as much power as I possibly can, um, which is a big strength of mine and, it, you know, applies velocity towards home plate. So, um, you know, I think that that's been really beneficial for me, is just being more direct towards home plate, and and uh, you know, I've seen again really good results uh, this spring.
0: Conversation with Carson Fulmer, who will be pitching out of the White Sox bullpen this year, assuming he, of course, makes the ball club, which I think he will, and I'm expecting a big spring from him. All right, quick timeout. Coming on back here on White Sox Weekly, we will sit down with White Sox catcher Zach Collins. That's next, 720 WGN. Mark Harmon with you on White Sox Weekly. We're going to bring in Carson Fulmer. Uh, Carson Fulmer, we just talked to Carson Fulmer. We are going to bring in Zach Collins uh, coming up next year uh, Sox fans, those single game tickets are on sale now. Be here for it and watch us change the game in 2020. Get your tickets today at whitesox.com. <laughs>
3: 720 WGN, the team's flagship radio
5: station.
0: You're listening to White Sox Weekly on the home of the Sox, 720 WGN. 720 WGN, White Sox Weekly, and we have one of the White Sox catchers, Zach Collins, with us. Zach, we're going to start off today's outstanding interview with a trivia question. How many days until opening day do you know? 55. <laughs> is yeah. that right? No. The answer is, you know, it starts earlier this year, that Collins, March 26th. Do you want to go for guess two or should I tell you?
5: Uh, is it 53?
0: It's 34, man. You're plus 20. It's coming quick. Oh, snap. What am I even thinking?
5: I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. That's in like a month. What am I thinking? March 26th that was terrible on my plan. <laughs>
0: I mean, I don't want to jump all over the U, but I know that, you know, sometimes academics is not priority down at the U and it's all about the,
5: (laughs) (laughs) no, you know, honestly, what I was thinking of is the, the Winston Salem dash posted a picture on Twitter the other day and they said, uh, something about it being like 57 days to opening day. And, uh, I was like, um, I don't know, like the 57 Dash player to make it to the big leagues or something like that. So maybe that's what threw me off. But, yeah, if I would have done that math, I would have probably been a little bit closer.
0: Well, I mean, I appreciate the fact that you remember your time with the Dash, and, and I'm sure you're happy that you're not going to be spending opening day with the Dash, but remember it finally, right? <laughs>
5: Yeah, exactly. That's for sure.
0: Uh, all right. So what was, uh, let's get a little bit in of your off season before we get into the baseball here. What, what was your favorite off season Zach Collins activity? Anything you look back upon?
5: Uh, favorite activity, probably going hunting with my, with my dad. Um, it's kind of like a boy's trip and met a, met some of my cousins up in Georgia and we just kind of hung out in a cabin in the woods and uh, spent a couple of weeks out hunting
0: yeah you you I'm not an expert hunter Zach. what are, did you catch anything good what are they that's fishing right what would they say did you did you nab anything yeah. what's, what's the what's the terminology
5: I mean um without it being too profan i mean too much profanity is just say uh did you kill something but um <laughs> no honestly all, I only hunt with a bow so uh, it's not like I'm taking a rifle out there or anything and hunting but Um, we did kill something, but we always eat it. And, uh, yeah.
0: Is there been video access granted when you're out there? Like, would you go on one of those outdoor shows wear the camouflage bow and arrow, the whole deal? Yeah, of course. Of course. I mean, I think that'd be, I don't know if I can get this done, but I'd love to be a part of that. I saw you were quoted as saying that it might be better for you, I guess maybe long-term rather than you know playing one day a week in the big leagues, possibly starting at AAA, but you obviously don't want to do that. And so now that camp has started, how are you sort of feeling your way as to you know what's next for you and just getting yourself to the next level, period?
5: Yeah, um, I mean, I think for me it's just uh, the fact that I have to be ready every day. Um, at any point I could be called up to the big leagues, or I could start in the big leagues, or something, some trade can happen or whatever. I'm not saying that I want to be traded or I need to be traded or anything like that. Um, obviously I want to help the White Sox win um, in this organization this is who I was drafted by and this is uh, where I want to be but um, ultimately things happen and um, I mean I personally think that I'm I'm ready to play in the big leagues but if, uh, if we have two all-stars in front of me like we do right now then uh, maybe the best thing for me is to go to AAA but um, obviously that's not what I want to do and And that's not what anybody wants to do, but it's it's
0: the truth. Right. You got to be realistic in in your situation. Like if I was going to give you, here's one scenario. You go to triple a, you get 15% better and you're playing every day in the big leagues next year for the white Sox and, or whoever versus you are up and you start the season in the big leagues and you, you, you have a decent year off the bench, but maybe you're playing one and a half times a week. Between those two options, which would you pick?
5: I'd pick AAA. You would, right? 100%. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I think I think anybody smart would. Um, obviously, uh, being in the big leagues is, is the best, but um, it's a long career, or it's a short career. I guess you could uh, put it either way, but um, I'm trying to, to uh, prolong my big league time as much as possible and uh, stay up there as long as possible, and I don't think that playing once a week up there is – is something that can uh, show teams and uh, show our organization that I'm ready. What did you learn
0: from last year?
5: A ton. I mean, from everything from scouting reports in the big leagues, how they look at them, how to prepare for games, how to um, take care of your body post game. Um, these are all things that are different when you get to the big leagues because of the uh, information that you're given and, and the uh, sources or the resources that you have um, from hot tubs to massage therapists to cold tubs, all this stuff. Um, it's just a little bit different up there. And uh, besides that on the field, it, um really had, had to turn off all the noise around you and uh, just focus on the game. Um, it's not very hard in AAA when you got about 8,000 there at the stadium, but when you got 40,000 playing the Cubs, uh, it's a little bit, a little bit more difficult. So. Yeah,
0: yeah, no doubt. Um, and that's mm-hmm. awesome, by the way, having 40,000 in the stands. But it's it when you talk to guys, you all say that it just – for the guy in the stands who's eating popcorn and having a beer, baseball moves slow. But when you're out in the field and there's a zillion things going on, it feels like it's moving like at hyperspeed in the big leagues compared to <laughs> A. Is that about right?
5: Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, there's a lot more that goes into it. It's, it's a lot of detailed stuff. Um, even when you're in the dugout just sitting on the bench, you're always talking about – um, what the plan is next, and what, what we should or what we think we should do um, to either get the next hitter out or get this uh, guy through an inning or um, get the runner over, stuff like that. What the other pitcher doing. It, it seems like uh, nothing. Yeah, like you said, when you're sitting in the in the stands just watching the game, it seems like it's moving really slow, and, and guys are just uh, kind of lollygagging out there. But it's not it's not how not the case.
0: Well, especially when you're behind the plate, right? Every single pitch you're involved, you're looking in the dugout or you're calling it yourself, you're being shook off or you're not being shook off, and then instantly you're on to the next pitch and you got to think about what was the game plan, wh- how is this guy approaching this at bat, and, and having the confidence to do that. I know that you've, you've talked about you know, you got some veterans out there and just having that confidence as a young guy in the game to put that finger down and believe in that you know exactly what you're doing, and that only comes with right. experience, right?
5: For sure. For sure. Obviously, uh, when you get called up and you're catching Yvonne Nova, who's been in the big leagues for 10 years, um, it's a little bit difficult to, to kind of tell him, hey, this is what I think we should do. Um, but ultimately, uh, when, when we're on the same field, it, it's it's all things aside. Uh, it doesn't really matter how long you play in the big leagues or how short you, you play in the big leagues. If um, That's another thing I've, I have learned last year from McCann is that he told me, um, just go out there and you're a leader. You know, Once you're behind the plate you automatically become a leader no matter how young or old you are. Um, And that's a big thing that I learned.
0: What have you picked up from Grandal? I mean, he's a Miami guy too. And on one hand, it's like, oh, boy, more competition. On another hand, well, here's a guy who's well-respected in the game that if I'm smart, I get to learn from him, and hopefully I can use that moving forward.
5: Yeah, I mean, you can look at it either way. Um, I think some people – uh, look at it as a negative and, and, oh, my God, now I have two all-stars in front of me and I might have to go to AAA and all this stuff. But um, I look at it the complete opposite way. I got two all-stars in front of me, so obviously they're doing something right so I can just learn everything from them. And then when I get up there, it should be pretty easy. Um, obviously, the transition uh, sounds easier than it is, but um, definitely having those two guys is going to help me a ton. Well,
0: and you can't control it. He's here, so – you can make a choice. am I going to pout about it or am I going to see the opportunity?
5: Right. And, and, uh, honestly, I was telling people, if there's a, if there's any guy I could have, could have chosen to, to be here and, and be our starting catcher it would have been him. Um, he, he went to the same school I did. Obviously we have a background. I worked with him since I was 14. Um, and I, I mean, he's helped me a ton. he, taught me everything i know uh behind the plate for the most part and um (laughs) obviously there's a couple other people that go into that but yeah i mean we uh we get along well and everything's good
0: so what's the clubhouse like right now zach i know everyone's saying it's it's great so maybe give me something specific that sort of stands out to you
5: um honestly it just seems like everybody's having a ton of fun uh so i kind of noticed the other day we're on the field and everyone's laughing and messing around and Um, And then when it gets down to business, it's serious and and we get our work done and um, everything's been pretty much as smooth as you can make it Um, between the bunt defenses and uh, pickoffs and all that stuff. Everybody's been having a lot of fun doing it right. So it's good
0: for you personally. Are you what are you working on behind the plate and at the plate? How are you feeling and what are you sort of focusing on? I know you I'm sure you want to cut down your strikeouts or maybe not. Maybe that's not a concern for you. How, How are you looking at both sides?
5: Um, not a concern for me to cut down my strikeouts. Uh, I think it's something that uh, I learned from Moncada last year. That He used to strike out a ton, and last year he obviously had a great year and didn't strike out as much. But he told me when he stopped thinking about cutting down the strikeouts, he uh, started striking out a lot less. So I um, learned that from him, and then catching, uh, always working on stances and, and uh, framing and stuff like that. So it's all good.
0: What What's the difference between catching in in, in the minors versus the majors, if anything?
5: Um the only thing really is blocking out the noise. Uh, the minors, you can have a bad inning and, and nothing really piles up on you. But in the big leagues, obviously fans want their team to win, and um, it's uh, it's a little bit different when an inning goes a little haywire and and uh, you got fans screaming at you and stuff like that. It's all. Uh, it's all good stuff, and, and just got to learn how to block it out.
0: Yeah, we we had Carson Fulmer on the show before you, Zach. Uh, this is There's no, uh, by the way, there's no pecking order here. You both are equal on White Sox Weekly. Know that. But I did, <laughs> a, I, I did ask him, what do you think of this Tim Anderson character having his own YouTube channel? So I want to ask you the same question. I mean, that's a big move by the batting champion, his own YouTube channel, showing behind-the-scenes stuff. You're probably going to be involved in that at some point. Are you confident that Seven can pull this off?
5: Of course, of course. I think the guy has shown that uh, he's pretty good on social media and, and uh, networking and all that stuff. And I think it, it could only do himself good, and and uh, obviously it gives the fans it gives fans a different look um, at what we do behind the scenes and and all the work that we go through and, and all the fun that we have. And um, I think it's going to be good for our team and good for him. So.
0: Should be nice. I want to get on that show. I don't know if he takes the media on, but I want to. I want to make it. I, I would tell him I to do something. I, I, I appreciate. Like I would tell him. I would say, go up to Zach Collins and say, "Who's tougher to catch, Kopech or Keichel? Kopech or Keiko? And then you would answer, "What?" Kopech. Tell me why.
5: Um, he throws a, a lot harder.
0: <laughs> See yeah. that that could move the needle for Tim
5: right there. People didn't. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't caught Keichel yet, but um, just from watching him pitch, I think that Kopech would be harder.
0: Did you catch Kopech in the minor? We were we were trying to figure that out.
5: Uh, no, I've never caught him in a start in the minor leagues, but I've caught a bunch of his bullpens.
0: Okay, what's that like?
5: Uh, it's, it's uh you need to ice your hand after usually. You do for real? No, no, I don't ice my hand, but he he throws really really hard and he's got electric stuff and honestly a uh, little insight he's been looking great um he threw today to live hitters again and uh he's looking electric just like he did before wow. he had the injury
0: well what Sox fans are loving hearing that all right uh last two before you go here number one who did you hit your first big league home run off of see if you know yourself yeah
5: well. uh, <laughs> that was my first at bat how am i gonna forget that um it was uh, Gerardo from the Texas Rangers. That is correct.
0: Um, that is correct. Yeah. How many? How many people were on base?
5: There were two people on base.
0: What inning was it?
5: The third.
0: I think it might have been. Was the, it the second? I think it was the second. I didn't. I didn't expect to ask that question. I got to look it back up, but I will. We'll, do, <laughs> we'll double check that. That's. Uh, but you. 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 That was a solid answer. You. You were right there. Have you ever seen? The bad news bears, Zach Collins. I have. So I was reading a deep article about you back in your Miami days, and your parents basically said you were Kelly Leak as a kid. You are running around the diamond catching balls that were (laughs) meant for everybody else. Do you remember being that kid?
5: Um, I honestly don't remember it because I was really, really young, probably between five and seven years old. Um, But that's what everybody tells me. Everybody tells me that they would stick me in the outfield and I would run and catch the balls in the infield, and run and catch the ball in center from right, and all I was at third base and all over the place. So, um, good times. I love that. It's kind of like maybe you know, in another life, you
0: were. And This is a, meant as a compliment, Zach, but maybe you were a dog. Maybe you were, you know,
5: like that's, are you, right? Are you saying I was a bad news bear when I was younger? <laughs>
0: and maybe that too. <laughs> there's a lot <laughs> There's a lot of ways this could go. hey You were just a kid out there having fun. Like I, that ball said, I'm going to go try and catch it. What else would I do?
5: Exactly,
0: exactly. All right, always good to talk to you, man, and best of luck this year. However, it turns out, I know you're going to be a success wherever you may be, Zach Collins, so it's always good to catch up with you and uh, have a great spring, and we'll see you at Guaranteed Right Field.
5: All right, thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. It's
0: my guy Zach Collins, 720 WGN. Lucas Giolito is getting ready for hopefully – Another phenomenal season, get back to the All-Star game, even build on 2019. Lucas speaking today on his spring training progress.
1: What were you able to do today even with the, the inclement weather
4: out there? Uh, Had a nice warm-up in our new pitching lab, great facility. Um, uh, Yeah, kind of like simulated long toss into the net and threw 20 pitches off the hill, and it felt very good. Yeah, right on track, right where I want to be. What's the next step for you? Uh, I believe I'll throw another side in a couple days. Um, I'm not totally positive of the exact schedule on that, but that's pretty much going to be the progression.
1: Give an idea for games, or is that just, um, just going step by step?
4: Yeah, the... we're going day by day, step by step. All, all I can say for today is I felt 100%. Uh, I was happy with my command and my heater. Uh, Off speed pitches felt good coming out, so couldn't ask for more. Oh, yeah, I haven't felt it since uh, I shut down throwing when I uh, got the flu and originally got that injury. Uh, when I came back and, you know, got back on the throwing program and everything, I haven't felt a single thing since. So, yeah, it's pretty much in the past now.
0: So, Lucas had a little cold, a little tightness in the chest. He was backed up a little bit, but sounds like he's coming around quickly here. And I would say all signs are pointing that Lucas will be the opening day starter, but don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but... If you're a betting man, I think that's a safe play. White Sox games are better with a group. Whether you're looking to head to the ballpark with 20 people or a few hundred, the White Sox have the perfect option for you. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com or call 312-674-1000. And you can choose a 10-game ticket package. Select the games that fit in your schedule and your budget. Lower-level plans start at just $205. It's 20 bucks, 20 bucks a ticket. You can find the plan that's right for you at whitesocks.com or call or text socks ticks S-O-X-T-I-X to 312 674 1000 Before we get on out of here, the manager speaking today, Ricky Renteria. Here's a couple minutes
2: here with the skipper.
1: What's it mean to you to have another kind of core piece, you know, locked in for, for multi-years in Eric
2: Bummer? Oh gosh. Um, uh, first of all, he's extremely happy about the the new development, and uh, and we're happy. I mean, he's a tremendous um, uh, pitcher with tremendous stuff. Uh, you guys have seen him continue to evolve and develop, and uh, to be able to feel like we got one of the key pieces uh, moving forward for a while is, is pretty uh, significant, actually. You kind of
1: saw last year maybe L.O.A. wasn't quite himself in the first couple weeks, so Louisville that's yeah. worked out in the background. Is it important to have this kind of, you know,
2: yeah, I mean, he's coming in here, um, working, ready to go, uh, trying to get better. Um, I think in terms of all the other stuff that goes on when you're when you're talking about contracts. Is that what we're talking about? Uh, it's nice to get it out of the way. You guys can concentrate on doing what they got to do. I think it. At, at times, and especially young guys, it, it might become a distraction. But you're glad you can get it out of the way and let them go ahead and concentrate on playing the game.
1: Is uh, Lopez just going to play catch on the side now for his work today?
2: No, we're we're going to actually uh, schedule not going into uh, the cages, and uh, we'll make a, we'll continue to audible. And and I have to still talk to Coop. I came here's Coopie now. I still have to talk to Coop as to what we're going to uh, do uh, as we move forward.
1: Did Giolino throw today?
2: Did he see or is he going to throw? He was. He did not throw today. Um, he's not scheduled to for a couple days. I think uh, I have to go look at the schedule again, though.
4: Where everything is developing with Dr. Kind
2: of He's doing very, very well. Uh, I think we're taking a very conservative approach, uh, but he's been doing everything. He's been running. He's been uh, catching. He's been hitting. Uh, they've used different methods to make sure that he's getting his legs underneath him. And um, we're just going to continue to monitor how much we push him. Uh, we don't want that thing to get irritated again.
1: has uh, that Lucas didn't throw
2: today? I have not seen the schedule uh, in terms of what we're going to do and changing. Um, he had some work done earlier on the other side, some rehab stuff, but he's doing good. Well, we're looking at this young man as being able to do a lot of different things. He's much calmer. I mean, it's the second year now in camp. He's already had a tremendous demeanor. Um, he's he's focused, he's high energy. Uh, and I think the guys are talking a lot about continuing to try to work on honing in on his zone so he can take advantage of uh, the bat-to-ball skill that he has. Defensively, he's looked very good. Uh, all the drills that he's been doing have, have looked uh, pretty flawless, to be honest, Um, and he continues just to kind of fit in and and get more and more comfortable.
0: So there we go, Ricky Renteria. That's interesting on uh, Nick Madrigal. Second spring, he's more calm. I don't see Nick Madrigal as calm at all. Always a spark plug. Uh, But some thoughts there from Ricky. And uh, Yasmani Grandal, if you missed it, he tweaked his calf, so they've been bringing him along slowly. It sounds like he's getting a whole lot better. You can now customize your game day menu in a private diamond suite. Check out our food and beverage upgrades and learn more about our 20-person suite starting at just $112 per person. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com or call 312-674-1000. And the conversation with Rick, that was White Sox Weekly on 720 WGN.